welcome back and thanks again for tuning in to beyond the hardwood hosted by deontay ferguson also known as coach virgo as we get ready to tap into episode five our guest for today's episode features jordan serenkamp head video coordinator for the charlotte hornets and someone i had the pleasure of being coached by during my time at south alabama jordan an indiana native worked his way through the coaching ranks for a short stint before getting the opportunity to join the nba and since then he has continued to move up in the league and work with some of the best minds in the business so stay tuned as i tap in with jordan coming up next Jordan, what's going on, man? What's going on? What's going on? Man, nothing much, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to hop on the show, man. How's, how's things down there in Charlotte? Uh, they've been good, man. Obviously, a uh, little bummed, a little disappointed that we didn't get the uh, invite to the bubble to uh, give our young guys a chance to really compete and um, continue to grow. I thought we were playing our best basketball near the end of the year, so... Obviously, a little bit disappointed on that front, but everything's been good, man. Just trying to follow these restrictions and getting lines that the league has in place for us right now, and getting our young guys in the gym still every day, and trying to try and get those guys better for next season. No, for sure, for sure. Again, man, I appreciate you taking the time out, and man, let's go ahead and hop right into it. So, obviously, you're from Indiana. What part of Indiana are you from? I'm from Mooresville, Indiana, which is about. 30 minutes southwest of downtown Indianapolis, so near the middle of the state. Okay. And then, you know, obviously, how was it growing up in, you know, Indiana is always known as one of, like, the best states for basketball. You know, it's just so much history there. You know, just talk about the culture of just the state of Indiana and what it's done for you. Yeah, man. uh, Ever since before I could even walk, basketball was a thing for me, and and a lot of it does have to do with growing up kind of in that environment, just being around it all the time, you know. Um, I'm a little bit biased. I think that Indiana's one of the top basketball states in the country, if not the top. And I know other people can, can argue for, for other states as well. But growing up with it, man, like it was, it was everything. It was all we ever did in our spare time, out in the driveway, going to local gyms and rec centers. And, and man, it was it was just cool to be around, you know, even being right. like super young and watching this Michael Jordan documentary, man, that just came out, like being, being super young, but going back and like seeing him compete against the Pacers and the Reggie Millers and those guys like that, you know, those were, those were the types of guys I grew up watching and the types of types of guys I wanted to be like. And so right. um, basketball was, basketball was putting your hands at a very young age there, man. And it, it definitely had an influence in the direction that I I've taken, um, not only just for the passion of the game, but also now as a career. So, Nah, for sure. And shoot, like you said, the last dance, obviously, the Pacers were were big time back then with, you know, Jalen Rose and, like you said, Reggie Miller and, and, and guys like that. And obviously, Mark Jackson. Those were some wars. So, were you as a kid, were you ever able to go check out a, a Bulls-Pacers uh, matchup? Uh, I don't know if I ever – I went to a ton of Pacers games. I don't know if I ever got to go to the Bulls Pacers, but um, I do remember going to, like, Market Square Arena, which is uh, 
before they built uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse and was originally Conseco Fieldhouse. You know, going to Pacers games growing up with my Reggie Miller jersey on, man. Like, I was, <laughs> I was definitely – I was, I'm not, I'm not, I was too young to really remember what was going on, but I just remember the experiences of being able to go, you know? Right. And, and it's super interesting now to go back and watch basketball then, even compared to how it is now. Right. You know, like the game is so, the game is so different in how it's played. And, and it's really cool to just kind of see the evolution of basketball, even in, you know, 10, 15 short years. But yeah, you know, if you, if you didn't go to at least a couple of Pacers games growing out, they'd kick you out of the state at some point. <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, I couldn't imagine. So, nah, man. So let's kind of get back on you. So obviously, you play high school basketball, and then you, you know, you end up going to Wabash College to play. So, kind of talk about your experience as a as a college player. And you know, I think it's important that you talk about your experience because it's not like everybody gets the chance to go play D one. You ended up playing D three basketball, but still, yeah. you know. What did that experience do for you, and and how was it? Yeah, man, I I enjoyed my four years at Wabash, man. It was a it was a really really good academic school. It still is, um, and it was some of the best four years of my life, you know. And um, I definitely wasn't, you know, a D one level talent, um, and I kind of knew that. But I knew that I loved the game enough that I wanted to play at the next level, and I had a you know, good enough college career and, and was good enough to play at the division three level. So um, just being able to, to do that for four years in itself was an unbelievable experience. I did it with great teammates, great coaching. Um, and at, at a school that was about 45 minutes away from where I grew up and went to high school. So it gave my family the opportunity to come to a lot of my home games, um, even go on some road games as well. So uh, definitely a different world. Um, compared to the Division One level or even the Division Two level, but I will say that um, you know Wabash does things the right way. You know, I was very lucky um, to go to a school that that believed a lot in athletics and had a lot of athletic success um, in all realms, not just in basketball. Um, right. So you know, we had a really, really, really nice facility, um, really nice things that you know other schools may not have even had the opportunity to have. So. Um, it was definitely a blessing, but it definitely taught me a lot, man, about like structure and really just being able to create your own type of like discipline and routine. Cause right. you know, I've, I've coached at the division one level and, and now where I'm at now, you know, it's, it's, there's so many different levels to it, right. Where it's, you got coaches calling you in for workouts, you have strength coaches, you have this, you have that, you know, all of these things available to guys who are you know, at the division one and division two level that, that honestly, you don't really get a lot at the Division three level. You know, most right. of most of my day to day was me in the gym by myself, running my own workouts. You know, I had to get in the weight room on my own. I had to do my own lifting programs, like all of that kind of stuff. You know, we didn't have, you know, they gave us per diem during the season. We had meals and stuff, but but you were really on your own with that too. You know, you had to be able to eat right and and make sure that you're getting enough sleep and doing all of those things that. Um, you know, you need to do to be successful. Um, but it was even, you know, more accepted at the division three level, if you will, just because you didn't always have someone harping on you, you know, you had to, if you were going to make it and be successful, it was something that you were going to have to do on your own just because, you know, there was a a head coach and one or two assistants and that was really it. So there, there wasn't the the full staffs like some of these other programs have that allow, allow guys to have a little bit more individualized attention. So, um, it really helped me, 
um, just to, to maintain a focus, maintain discipline, and, and really just establish a routine for four years that, that I felt allowed me uh, personally to get better every year in terms of basketball skill-wise, get stronger in the weight room, but then academically. You know, Division three basketball is, is way more than just athletics. You know, a lot of the schools are, are higher-credited academic institutions too. So yeah. if I didn't want to go to class or if I didn't do my homework, like those types of things stuck out. Right. So it was practice during the day, work out during the day in the mornings, and then I was in the library every night studying. Yeah. You know, and it, so it was, it was, a, it was, you know, it really helped me to become a very well-rounded individual, um, and more than just athletics. And that's something that I'll always be grateful for for that school. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's one thing that kind of a lot of people don't understand is that you know even at that level, there's still it's still high-level basketball. I mean, and and in your career. You know, I think y'all won over 18 games in, you know, three or seasons, three of the four seasons you were there. Um, yeah. And, and again, that's that's tough to do anywhere. <laughs> it's tough to win, it, you know. It's, it's for, for sure. And the, and the biggest mistake people make is, is what you said, right? Like, like Division three basketball is no joke, man. We were we were ranked in the top 25 in the country. Um, three of my four years there, we were in the, one of the most difficult conferences to play in with the Worcesters and Wittenbergs and Ohio Wesleyans. There were yep. four or five teams in our conference every year that were ranked in the top 25 in the country. Right. You know, we were playing num- like we would be number seven in the country, number eight, and we'd be playing number two and number three every night in conference play. You know, <laughs> so like the level of the level yeah. of talent every single night was no joke, and yeah. and you had to be able to, to bring it. You know, and I think that's the other thing is with playing at the Division three level, there aren't. You can get academic scholarships, but they can't give athletic scholarships. So right. to be able to play against that high caliber of talent with kids that are just playing because they love the game, yeah, you know, for sure, it, 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 was, it was definitely a, it was definitely a special time. And, and yeah, you can't discount the Division three level at all, man. It was a war every night. No, nah, not at all, not at all. And that's one thing that I've realized is that you know even at the D two, D three, you know NAI level where you're not, you know, guaranteed a full scholarship. Some of those guys are, you know, they, they, they love the game more than some of the, you know, players that are at the D1 level. Um, just with how Absolutely. how much, you know, effort they put into it, the work they put into it. And like you said, they're not on full scholarship. So, you know, for them to go out there and, you know, play every night just for the love of the game, you know, just kind of shows your passion. And, you know, and it, and it kind of goes back to you. I mean, like you said, you know, your school was a – top academic school and you know even yourself you were an academic student you were a president scholar if i'm not mistaken correct yep yeah yeah that is correct yeah 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 and you know that just kind of you know is a testament to you know being the ultimate student athlete but at the end of the day man you know it worked out for you you had a great career and let's kind of hop into you know you finish up your career and then you get in the ga spot at South Alabama, kind of talk us through that process and how that came about for you. Because was it something that you were kind of working on as a player while you were still in school, or is it kind of something that just, you know, you will work camps in the summer and you know it just kind of fell in your favor? Like, kind of talk us through that process. Yeah. So um, when I first got to Wabash, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest with you. And um, I knew I loved the game of basketball, and sports had been my life since I could remember and I could walk so I always felt like I wanted to do something in the sports world but I never really knew what like whether it was the business side 
you know, a front office thing, a coaching thing, like all of those things were kind of open to me. Um, and as my playing career like progressed, um, and finally came to an end, you know, the two or three months that like the school year goes on after your, after your final year, it's kind of like a wandering point, right? Like you wander around, like I, like I didn't have practice to go to. I really didn't need to work out anymore. You know, and it was just kind of like, man, like what, like, like what is my purpose? You know, like I'm, I'm trying to sit here, like I'm getting ready to graduate college. Like I've had a lot of really good experiences. I've done internships. I've, I've volunteered. I've done all these different things, but like, like what's my purpose? You know, I didn't want to just graduate and go jump into a job where, you know, I, I maybe I was making good money, but I didn't love what I was doing every day. And I always told myself that regardless of what it was, and it didn't matter what the pay was going to be, right, that I was going to make sure that I found something that I could wake up and have a passion for and want to do every single day. So um, during during the summers while I was at Wabash, aside from doing, you know, various internships and things like that, um, I used to work kids camps. Like I would do the, the college basketball camps. Um, and I, being from Indianapolis, you know, there's a lot of schools. There's the Purdue's, the IU's, the Butler's, University of Indianapolis, Indiana State, like all these different schools, right. you know, that run their summer basketball camps. Um, and I did it, you know, just to be around a gym, just to be, um, you know, around other guys that have like minds, like minds like I do that, that, that play the game, you know, all this type of stuff. So I did it for that and just to make a little money on the side. Right. And uh, so I, I took off with that at Butler University at first. So I had, I had reached out via email to, to Brad Stevens, who was the coach of Butler at the time, and uh, just kind of introduced myself. Uh, Brad played at DePaul University, which is um, Division Three as well, and it's the rival school where I played and it's about 15 or 20 minutes down the road. So, um, you know, I just, I made the division three connection with him. Um, just talked a little bit about myself and said, I had some interest in working camps. Uh, he responded almost immediately back and said, we'd love to have you. Uh, and so I did that for, for two or three summers and it started to transition from doing a week here, a week here, um, during the summer to my junior and senior year, I worked basically every Butler basketball camp they had available. Um, on campus in the summer so it'd be we're talking six seven eight weeks of camp right right, between their elite camp and their team camp and and all this different stuff right and so I was just around the the staff at Butler all the time and you know a lot of kids when they go and do different camps and a lot of times and I would even recommend right like get out go to different schools meet different staffs and meet different people I didn't actually do it that way I just I I just went to Butler every year because it was close, and I really really liked their staff. Um, the players were awesome to be around. I could work out with them. We play open gym at night. Like I said, the staff was really receptive of me for asking questions and just wanting to be around for workouts and stuff. Um, and I really just kind of developed a relationship with everybody at Butler, um, and it felt like a really special place to me. Um, and then you know. Ironically enough, during this time period, they also went to back-to-back national championship games, which was right. really, really impressive in itself. Uh, but, but you know, just to be able to be around those guys and the coaches and the and the campus when that kind of stuff was going on, it was electric, you know. And yeah. um, so, so once I graduated, um, and I was kind of in the 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 phase of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I realized that. Um, I think coaching was going to be the best thing for me. You know, I would work out teammates once the season ended. Um, I just was always in the gym, always on the court. It's like, man, like, 
Like, this just seems like something that fits right for me, just being able to coach the game, to teach it, to develop relationships with players. Um, that kind of stuff meant a lot to me. So I decided that that was probably the route that I was going to take. Um, did some research, obviously, you know, realized that the graduate assistant position would probably be my next step, and it would also allow me to get my master's degree, which I put a lot of priority on as well right. um, as soon as I graduated. And, and so initially I wanted to be a grad assistant at Butler. You know, things were lining up. The GA there before um, was moving out my senior year, so there was going to be a spot available. Um, so that was the plan, man, was to, was to, in a perfect world, go to Butler and be a GA there and live, uh, live close to home and be around all these people that I already know and have relationships with. And, right. and uh, at that point, Brad Stevens signed, uh, signed his coaching contract with the Celtics. You know? And then as that, as that happened, you know, other members of the staff, um, you know, Matthew Graves, all these, you know, these coaches started going in different directions, getting their next opportunities because of the successes they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Butler hires their next coach. Um, he wanted to go in a different direction with a graduate assistant position, but I was lucky enough that uh, Matthew Graves, who became the head coach at South Alabama, was an assistant for Brad for all those years and somebody that I really developed a close relationship with as well doing those camps. Right. Uh, he knew my interest in wanting to coach and do the grad assistant thing. So uh, when he took the position at South Alabama, he had a spot open. Um, I was lucky enough that he gave me the opportunity to go down there with him. And, and that's what kind of jump started it, you know, just working kids camps and developing really close relationships with a lot of really, really good people. And I was lucky enough that an opportunity was able to come from that. No, nah, for sure. And with you mentioning that, you know, I, like you said, Graves takes the head job at South Dow. And then um, obviously you come along with him and y'all have a great staff, man. Obviously, with, you know, someone that we're we're both very close with and Russ Williamson, um, you know, yep. Darnell Archie. Just kind of talk about, you know, how it was for you as a GA. Like, what are some things that, you know, kind of shocked you and, um uh, what are some things that you learned from those guys that, you know, you've taken with you and you still use today? Yeah, man, <laughs> that whole, that whole staff itself, man, if it, if it wasn't for them and just their willingness to kind of give me responsibility and room to grow and develop and their willingness to teach me things and all that, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at now. And, and I learned that very early on, um, you know, just how much I didn't know. Right. And that was something that, I've I've never been the type of person that I felt like I've had all the answers. I, I don't believe in being that type of person. I've always had a really strong work ethic, but you really, until you're actually in the coaching world, especially at the division one level or at any level for that matter, you know, probably even more at the D2, D3, NAIA with this, with the smaller staffs, like the amount of work and detail and just overall like effort that you have to put in to have a successful program. And you, you know, you hit it, you hit it on the nail, man. Like it was a great staff there. Um, a lot of really, really good basketball minds, but even more than that, man, like a lot of really, really just good, genuine people. And like, that's something I've been really blessed with even to this day is, you know, the opportunity to work with just really, really good people. Cause you spend a lot of time with them, man. You're always on the road, you're traveling, you're doing all these different things. You're in the office all the time, long hours, late nights, early mornings. Right. So you got to do it with people that you, that you enjoy being around. So, um, I think just understanding the the level of detail that you have to have to approach everything with um, was something that I really took for for you know not granted, but something that I really appreciated 
them teaching me and then just the the overarching aspect of like creating discipline the same type of thing i talked about when i was in college right like but it's a little bit different now when you're in the real world right. you know so be, being able to create a new routine being able to create discipline um being available all the time uh working with detail double triple checking your work making sure everything's right like not just you know, slacking and, and just getting things done just to get them done, but doing things the right way. Yeah. And then in any sense, like not even just with, with work, but with recruiting, with skill development stuff, with the way we did practices, like we handled things and we did everything while we were there the right way. You know, we built a good culture there based on, you know, accountability based on trust and, and relationships. Like all of that stuff was super, super important. And so just being able to really learn, uh, from those guys, the value of hard work, the value of, of details, um, of doing things the right way and really just building relationships. Like that's the kind of stuff that I really took from there and stuff that, that translates at every level, whether it's the NBA or it's, it's grade school youth basketball, you know, those types of things are all important. Um, and just making sure that you're doing things the right way and that you've got good people around you. No, for sure. So you're at South Alabama for three years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Three or four? Um, like, you, uh, four. Basically four, four yeah. Okay, because you did Adobo yep. for two years. Yep, so I was yep grad assistant for two and then was lucky enough that, that the staff liked me enough that they, <laughs> they kept me around and, and, and bumped me up into the director of operations role, which I'm, right. I'm eternally grateful for. That was a whole other learning experience for me. But, yes, I was there for four years. Yep. Okay, and and kind of talk about that experience because obviously as a GA, and I just recently got done with being a GA at Moorhead State, so I kind of know how you, you have to be, you know, you're basically everywhere. You know, you're doing helping out with on-court workouts. Um, you're, you know, doing class checks. You're, you know, you know, writing letters to, to recruits and stuff like that. Just just yeah. the, the tedious stuff that, you know, you can't get tired of doing if you want to just continue to move up. And then obviously as a Dobo, right. you know, you don't get that chance to be on the court. So kind of talk about that transition for you and, and what did being a Dobo help you with, you know, as you continue to move forward? Yeah, that's a really good question, man. Uh, yeah, so so – obviously was extremely thankful for the opportunity to continue to be on that staff and um, for coach Graves for the opportunity to, to promote me into that role. But it was, it was, you're right. It, it was different, you know, and, and at the ops level um, it's very similar to the GA as, as in terms of you wear a ton of different hats every single day, right? You're doing something different all the time. Um, the amount of responsibility that ops guys have, um, goes way farther than what a lot of people think. So if, right. if you're an ops guy and, and you're listening to this, I've been there, I've been through it, right? Um, but it, it, it's definitely, it was an eye-opening experience, you know? And you don't really get a taste of it right away because a lot of times these transitions happen in the summertime, right? So you're, you're kind of transitioning into your new role. You're, you're learning how things work. You're, you're dealing with the financial stuff, the budget stuff, the travel stuff, the game contracts, the, like all of those different things. And you don't think about it right away. But then when the season comes, right, and now you're stepping on the floor for practice for the first day and you want to just walk out there and come on the court with everybody else, like, ah, I can't. Right. Right? Like, it's hard, <laughs> man. It's not, it's not easy. And because, I mean, obviously being in the ops job is a, is a great job. And, and from, a, from a standpoint of what I learned there um, at the college level, it taught me 
endless amounts of things that go into running a program that have nothing to do with X's and O's, right? Mm-hmm. It, and or recruiting, right? It's it's how do you how do you balance a budget? How do you um, get game contracts lined up? We did a we had an MTE tournament while I was there. So how do you how do you build a tournament and get teams into that? Like how do you set all that up? How do you get in touch with hotels and how do you schedule your travel? And, and it's literally all the all the stuff surrounding a program that has nothing to do with basketball. And while most people that are in that role want to end up getting to a coaching job like myself, it was nice for me to kind of see the internal side of the functionality of a basketball program. Right. And just to be able to see that it's not just a bunch of people showing up at a gym one day and just like practicing for a couple hours and then going home. Right. right. It's, it's marketing. It's, it's all this other stuff that's involved with it. And um, I was really, really grateful for that, you know, because I thought that at the time, like I was going to stay in the college game and I was going to continue to, to work my way up in the college ranks. So to me, I looked at it as an opportunity to be able to understand how to run a program. Uh, like I said, without like the X's and O's and without the coaching, because at some point, whether it's at the division three division two nai juco a lot of those different levels right like the coaches are the ones that are responsible for doing a lot of that stuff right uh, so just being able to have that kind of experience i felt eventually would help me down the road um i ultimately wanted to be a head coach in college at one time so to me it's like all right i'm learning how to balance a budget i'm learning how much this is going to cost this this we need to get this amount of money uh brought in every year you know through games and just just stuff like that to where I felt that if I was a coach at a, at a level at some point, I'm going to have to know all of this. Right. right. So it was a really good experience just to be able to get the ins and outs of that. Um, but no, like the ultimate thing is, is you're right. Like as it went on to year one to year two and even past that, like in that role, like I was like, man, you're just, you're just killing to get on the court, you know? So it, it also taught me that I couldn't just continue to do my job as an ops guy and leave basketball behind like the X's and O's. So, it taught me that I had to start watching film on my own. I had to start, you know, researching and digging into things on my own player development stuff, watching other teams play. And I was lucky enough that the coaching staff at South, you know, I was in the coaches meetings. I was involved. I was on the fence during games. I was in the huddles during timeouts. So it's not like I was completely removed from the game, Right, right. Uh, but you definitely have to, uh, do your extra due diligence to to make sure that you're staying sharp on the basketball side of things as well. And that's kind of how it was for me at Morehead State, even though the title was GA, you know, essentially we was doing, you know, double work. And, you know, that also kind of goes back to the importance sometimes with, you know, your title in this business as well um, in regards to moving up. And things of that nature, man. You sure. kind of get your kind of get your feet wet a little bit, and uh, you know you got to be a jack of all trades and know how to do it well. So, so oh, now, sure. I'm, that's, so, and that's the, oh, sorry, that's the biggest thing is is like regardless of, of what your title is or what you're doing, if you if you have a job in any type of coaching, it's a it's a blessing and an opportunity because they're not easy to come by. So. Just being grateful for the opportunity, but then you said it, like especially early on, like if you're wanting to get your foot in the door, you're wanting to get established, like you've got to be prepared to be in roles and to do things that you may not necessarily always want to do, right? right? But you have to have the understanding that the things that you're doing have purpose, mm-hmm. right? 
and they they provide value to the program, to players, to coaches, to whoever, and you just got to buy into doing whatever it takes to help the organization, help the team, help the players, help whoever it is that you can, right? Like that's yeah. the biggest thing is just having that full buy-in in whatever your role is and doing it to the best of your ability. Yeah, for sure. And you can't be afraid to make a mistake neither, especially because you're going to have so no. much stuff getting thrown at you that you've never done before that, you know, you're going to mess up a couple of yep. times, but, you know, that's how you kind of grow and just, you know, learn your way through it. So, um, 100%. And you can't, yeah, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. And, you know, if you make a mistake, you learn from it and you try not to repeat it. That's the biggest thing. Like, like we're human. We all make mistakes. Uh, things happen. Things come up, right? There's some things that are out of our control. There are some things that we do control. But being able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable settings, right? Like being able to make mistakes, being comfortable with the understanding that it's not a bad thing to fail or make mistakes, but it's a growth thing. That's how you grow. That's how you become better. And that's how you learn. So yeah. being able to buy into that as well. No, for sure. So you're at South, obviously, and then out of nowhere, you kind of get thrown an opportunity to you know get into the nba g league and kind of talk us you know talk to us about that um situation how that came about for you and what intrigued you to take that route yeah uh so it's funny it it goes back to the butler thing right like working the butler camps um doing that type of stuff so um while i was in college still playing and i was working those camps um a player or a, a butler player at the time by the name of ron norred um, who actually was at South Alabama for four or five months yeah. before he was. Uh, I yeah. got there. And then we ended up getting an opportunity and leaving. Uh, but but Ron and I established a really, really good friendship while we were both playing in college still. Um, so he would, you know, I would, like I said, I would work out with those guys. I would play open gym. I was around them all day, every day during the summers. Um, so Ron was someone that, that I, I naturally just kind of gravitated to just because, um, I feel that we, we were a lot alike in terms of energy, in terms of focus, in terms of mindset. Um, one of the nicest individuals to this day that I've ever had the, the blessing of being around. So uh, we were just really, really good friends, like like going through that stuff in the summer mm-hmm. um, and just playing, being around each other, you know. And then, um, you know, through all of his different experiences and opportunities from playing for Brad and doing all those types of things, he found his way into the NBA. You know, he worked with the Celtics. He was bouncing around for a while, right? And right. Uh, ended up in Brooklyn. Ended up in Brooklyn with the Nets uh, as their head coach for the G League team. And uh, he had done that for a year already. Uh, and then they had a position become available as a video coordinator um, at that level. So him and I had just stayed in touch. Um, you know, just stayed in touch and was able to uh, develop our relationship in a professional manner after our playing days were done. And, uh, you know, I'd, I would always just take his mind on, on what he thought the differences were between college and, and pro, uh, what he enjoyed about each, kind of what he valued. And, and I, I look at myself as, as, you know, trying to be someone like himself as well. So um, a lot of the things that he liked and disliked about certain things really resonated with me as well. So, um, I had mentioned to him that my interest was there and potentially pursuing something at the professional level. Um, but I never knew that it would happen like it did. Right. Like we were, it was July. Uh, I was actually getting ready to go out to NBA summer league just to kind of 
I, I like to go out there and watch and, and, you know, just be able to learn and, and grow and stuff. Uh, and he gave me a call one day and just asked if I would have interest in a video coordinating job uh, with the team in Long Island, the, mm-hmm. the Z League affiliate for Brooklyn. And uh, he, uh, you know, he asked me to send my resume over. Um, I was obviously extremely interested. Things went well uh, with that. He found out that I was going to be in Vegas uh, while he was out there doing all the summer league stuff. So while I was out there, um, I was able to meet up with him. I was able to go through the interviewing process and stuff while I was out there. Uh, and again, lucky enough, um, I was blessed with the opportunity to, uh, you know, really just have the opportunity to go and work for him in Long Island and in Brooklyn. And yeah. that's kind of what jump started it for me again. Kind of another crazy small world Butler connection, um, you know, and I was given the opportunity through Ron and I, I, to this day, can't thank Ron enough for the opportunity because it's gotten to me to where I am now. Yeah, no, uh, but for the, sure. But the, but the NBA thing was definitely, it was on my radar, but I wasn't sure how realistic it was at the time. Right. You know, I think a lot of people obviously say, I'd love to work in the NBA, or I'd love to work in the G League or have an opportunity. But, you know, to have one presented to me in the way it was, I'm extremely grateful and lucky for it. And um, I knew once I got the job that it was going to be a whole different world, whole different series of learning. Right. brand new experiences, like all these different things were going to come. And, and I just knew that I was going to have to knock down the door and, and, you know, make sure I provided value and, and did everything I could to, to help out the organization and, you know, yeah. do my best to, to stick in it. You know? oh, for sure. And, and kind of talk to us a little bit, or go a little bit in depth about the difference between the college game and, and what you were really, you know, exposed to once you got into the pro game, because obviously you don't have to like micromanage players and just, you know, do those types of things as you do in the college level. But again, you're working with pros at this level now and uh, kind of talk to us in regards to what makes those guys so good at their jobs and how that helped you or how it's helped you, you know, as you know, you're there in Charlotte now. Yeah. So I think that's been the biggest transition for me from the college game to the professional game is, is, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've been a video coordinator in in every facet of my professional tenure so far. Um, But it's very different in the sense that, you know, video coordinators are very, very hands-on at the NBA level. I'm, I'm on the floor all the time. I'm, I'm working with guys all the time, uh, you know, and I'm lucky enough now as a head video coordinator, I'm in a lot of coaches meetings. When I was in Long Island with Ron, I was in all the coaches meetings. I was in all the film sessions. So uh, you learn really quickly that the game is, is a lot different, but I think what makes it the most difference between or most different between or aside from like the, the spacing on the court, right? Like the, the physical nature of like the differences in rules. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that guys approach the game and how they play it. Like the level of detail at the professional level is, is unmatched. You know, I thought the detail level at the division one level was impressive when I was there. And then I got to the NBA level and the detail is, is even greater. Um, so just the level of that, um, and preparingness and, and how you're preparing for games and you play 82 of them, right? So there's a ton of them. So, um, just really being able to, um, have that kind of detail in that short amount of time is really, really impressive. And, and, and from a player standpoint to go to your question, right? Like the biggest difference is the ability of guys to pick up on that kind of stuff. You know, you may play two games, three games and five nights and you're changing ball screen coverages. You're changing pick and roll cover or, uh, 
dribble handoff coverages, off ball screen coverages. You know, you're you're wrinkling things up a little bit offensively to attack the way they're guarding, right? Like all these different things, and guys just are able to pick it up. Right. You know, so I just think the level of IQ of guys at the professional level is really really impressive and something that. Uh, the average fan may not be able to see when they're just watching games on TV. Just the level of IQ that these dudes play with, um, and then just overall the pace and the physicality of it. Yeah. You know, it may look slower to some people on TV, but the pace the guys play at consistently, and just the overall strength and physicality you have to have to be able to compete uh, is really, really impressive. So, I mean, it's just it's the best league in the world in terms of basketball. So, right. you know, being around some of the best players in the world every single day, you start to really pick up on that. No, um, sure. And they're truly pros. That's, that's why they, that's why they call them pros, right? Is, is it's not just their ability to put the ball in the basket, right? But it's the way that they handle themselves and conduct themselves every single day when they're in the facility. It's getting, making sure you're, you're getting your film sessions in, making sure you're watching extra film, making sure you're lifting, making sure you're on the treatment table every day, um, getting your body right, right? Making sure you're locked in at practice and competing. Like all of that different stuff um, is what separates a lot of guys. Not you know, and sure. it's not just their ability to shoot the ball well or they're athletic enough to guard or dunk. It has nothing to do with that, right? right? There's a lot of people in this world that can get on a basketball court and do that kind of stuff. But it's the attention to detail and their willingness to. Uh, be a pro every single day and do the things that other people aren't willing to do and, and make the sacrifices that others aren't willing to sacrifice that, that really separates them. No, for sure. That's, you know, something that I've noticed just from, you know, things that you post and just kind of even with your work ethic, you know, kind of talk to us about how dedicated, I should say, you have to be to really, you know, want to work in the NBA because obviously everybody sees it, you know, they're like, man, like I want to be there one day, you know. Um, whether it's playing yeah. or, or just getting an opportunity to be a part of an organization. But, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about this before. Getting your foot in the door at the NBA isn't easy. Um, and, you know, some people think you're going to go in there and start just making big-time money. But, you know, it's almost like, you know, you're in college as a GA. You know, you have to kind of work your way up and, and establish yourself before you kind of um, get to where you want to go. So, Kind of talk to us about, you know, your experience, you know, obviously in Long Island. And then I know you worked with the Brooklyn Nets for a little bit. Um, you know, obviously that yeah. those, that's the affiliate team. Kind of talk to us about your experience with that and, you know, how it is for people or what people should expect that want to get into, you know, the NBA. Yeah. So, um Obviously, when I got to Long Island as a video coordinator, you know, I thought I had a pretty good grasp on, on how to run video um, just because I had done it as a grad assistant a little bit as an ops guy at South. But I got there and I realized um, I really didn't know that much about, like, sports code and things like that. And just because, like I said, the level of detail and the way that things are operated at, at that level, you know, you really have to take everything up a notch. Right. So. Those first couple months in Long Island, man, were really, really eye-opening for me. And, and a lot of it was in the off-season, so I spent the time in Brooklyn as we were preparing to go to Long Island for the season. And, uh, man, just – I you don't want to be talking about like being thrown in the fire. Like, you know, I, it, was, it was a very eye-opening experience to me, just something I had never really had the opportunity to be around or see before, just the way that – that a, at a first class organization like Brooklyn operates, you know, it's, it's really, really impressive. Um, and to this day, you know, it's still, I was thankful for my year there. And, and like I said, 
uh, first-class organization. They do things the right way, put players first, and they make sure that everybody feels cared for and, and taken care of. So um, definitely a good first starting spot for me. Uh, but having to learn on the fly really quickly was, was huge. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, too, and, and you attested to it a little bit, um, not just being able to learn and, and develop and transition your mind from being in college to professional, right, but just the amount of work that really goes into it. Uh, when I was in Long Island, I was our only video coordinator. So um, I would clip all of our scouting games. Uh, I would do all of our edits, um, you know, to give to the coaches for scouts. Um, I would run our film sessions. I was lucky enough to get into work like, with someone like Ron and the other members of that staff uh, who were very um, self-supporting to yeah. an extent. Like a lot of them could, could, could help themselves in a lot of ways, build edits, do that kind of stuff. Um, so I was definitely grateful for that. But, you know, we would clip five or six games out for every single game we played. Uh, so, And I was the only person doing that. So there would be nights that I would be breaking down three, four, sometimes five games a night, right, just for the next morning to be able to get to the coaches so they can go through and watch and, and then prepare for scouts. So, right. you know, waking up at 7 or 8 in the morning when I was in Brooklyn, right, or in, in Long Island, waking up at, you know, whatever time in the morning, uh, being in the gym all day, you'd have practice, you'd have your meetings, you know, you may be able to get a workout in, and then you go home, and it's like time to start getting stuff ready for that night and yeah. you know a lot of times when it comes to like breaking down the film and stuff my night wouldn't start until nine thirty or 10 o'clock at night and i would work from 10 p.m until sometimes two or three in the morning you know just making sure all those games are done right. and ready for the coaches for the next day you know there may be a point where during that a player calls and they want to go back and get some extra shots up. And then I'm, I'm stopping what I'm doing there and I'm going and, and rebounding and working guys out and doing stuff like that. Then I'm getting back to the, the clipping stuff and, and breaking down the game film. You're going to bed by two or three in the morning and then you're back up again early the next morning back at it. Right. right. It's, just, it's every single day and it's a grind and, and you're traveling and G league travels different. You know, you fly commercial, you're busing, you're doing things like that. So being able to, to not sleep a lot um, and then be able to just kind of handle things that are thrown at you. Um, it's kind of the biggest learning experience I had from Brooklyn and Long Island. And just, but again, just like the level of, of, of work that you're going to have to do, especially, you know, being in a video room in the NBA. And I can attest to it now. I was an assistant video coordinator last year in Charlotte. I'm the head video coordinator now. You know, your phone is always on ring. You're picking up phone calls early in the morning, late at night. You're not sleeping very much. You're in the you're in the office every morning early before the coaches get there. You leave after the coaches leave, so you're there all day, all night. Yeah. Game days, you're there from six thirty, seven in the morning until twelve o'clock, one a.m. Right? Like it's 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 a long, you know, seventeen, eighteen hour work day. <laughs> um, you're you're on the road. You're flying everywhere. Um, all that stuff. So so you've got to be able to have the work ethic. Uh, you've got to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Uh, you know, if you, if you're someone that values a lot of sleep, uh, which I do and, and did, <laughs> you have to learn to be able to function without a lot of sleep. Right. Uh, I used to, I used to never drink coffee until I got into the NBA. And now I drink coffee religiously. Um, so, uh, that's, so I say that jokingly, but also, um, uh, just understanding that you're going to have to, you're going to have to work. That's the biggest thing, and it's not just going to be given to you. 
you know, yeah. there's a lot of people, like you said, out there that, that want to have an opportunity to get into the league, uh, want to have an opportunity to work for a great organization. Uh, I've been lucky enough to work for two of them so far, but um, it doesn't just happen by, by showing up. Right? Right. Like you've got to work. You've got to, you've got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to be really, really good in your role and handle your responsibilities and do that every single day for an entire NBA season, you know, no, and, that, and that's sure. the most challenging part. Is it's, it's definitely different. You know, I think the one thing and you attested to it is that, you know, you have to be dedicated to it because, you know, it's not what it seems from the outside looking in, you know, a lot goes into it and, and, you know, you've done yeah. a great job, obviously, and it's worked in your favor as, you know, you're, you're there in Charlotte as a head video coordinator. Now, um, your success is just going to continue to move on up, man. Um, so let me ask you this. Obviously, you're, you're there in Charlotte and you obviously getting to Charlotte was, again, another small world situation where, you know, <laughs> Ronald Norad is there also as an assistant coach. And, you know, you get the opportunity to go there to Charlotte. Um, how has it been for you being able to learn? Because again, it goes back to the fact that you've been on, you've been able to learn from some great people that have been in the business. And yeah. obviously, there in Charlotte, you're there with with guys like Norad and uh, Jay Hernandez, who's a great yep. player development coach, um, and yep. and guys of that nature. So, kind of talk to us about that, and and just how important has it been for your growth as a coach, as a video coordinator, as somebody that wants to continue to move up in the business learning from guys like that because obviously you're not just doing video but you know you do get you know some player development you know aspects of the of the title that you have yeah yeah I, well uh you know i can't discount the people that i worked with in brooklyn at all because that was an incredible staff as well um and like you said man like i've i've been extremely extremely lucky to be able to work with and for the people that i had so far um, and that started even back in college. It, it transitioned to Long Island and Brooklyn and now here in Charlotte. Um, our head coach, James Borrego, is an unbelievable leader of our staff, and he did a great job of putting this staff together. Um, it's a diverse group of, you know, a lot of veteran guys who have been around the block and been in the league for a long time. Uh, Chad Iskey, who's been a, an NBA assistant in the league for, for seems like forever, um, you know, Jay Triano, uh, who's been an NBA head coach and, and was the national team head coach for Canada. Uh, you mentioned Jay Hernandez, right, with the player development type of stuff and all of his experiences. But then, you know, he's done a really good job, too, of bringing in some young, innovative guys as well. Uh, Ron being one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, another one of our player development guys, Nate Mitchell, is in that same boat. And same with Dutch Gately. Uh, Dutch worked in San Antonio as well. So he knows what success is like. He knows how to build a culture and, and knows what it takes um, to really be successful in this league. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is kudos to, to Coach Brago for being able to put together such a great staff. Um, and I've just done my best to take advantage of it, right, like you said. Um, you know, obviously I have my responsibilities and my, and my jobs that I have to do every single day, but, but I always try and make time every day to go talk to somebody and I'm around those dudes all the time, so it makes it really easy because I'm usually working with them anyways on stuff, right. you know. But I always like I never miss an opportunity to pick one of their brains about something, even if it's something super simple during practice. Maybe it's something that I liked or I saw that them them doing with a guy during player development workouts. Uh, you know, just always trying to pick their brain and their experiences. You know, that's been the biggest thing. 
Um, and you learn a lot just naturally from being around them, but, you know, right. continuing to establish and develop relationships with those guys on and off the court. Um, you, you learn a lot, not just about basketball, but also just about life. Because like I've mentioned before, like with South Alabama staff, the Brooklyn staff, right? They're just really, really good people. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're people that you want to go like have dinner with outside of work or you want to go hang out with their families. Like they're, right. they're very inviting. They're very welcoming. They're very um, caring and understanding, you know, but also they're very demanding. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've really appreciated about it is, is all of those guys in one shape or another have operated on championship levels at some point. So they all know what it takes. So uh, their, their expectations for how things are done from like a video standpoint or from a scouting report standpoint or player development or practices, all of that kind of stuff, it really starts to rub off on you and you really start to learn the types of like habits and those types of things that, that, that build what it takes to win a championship in the NBA. So um, it's been monumental for me just to be able to learn from those guys. You know, I was lucky enough even last year uh, as an assistant, my my boss and our head video coordinator last year, Quentin Crawford, uh, who's now with the Lakers, um, happy for him and his opportunity there. But he taught me so much more too, even as an assistant. You know, I was doing a lot of the, the groundwork of scout games and things like that. And as a head video coordinator, your main focus is you know, you're running an entire video room of five or six other guys, but you're also um, the head coach's right-hand guy. You're, you're running all the film sessions um, and team film. You're running the film during coaches' meetings. You're doing all these different things, right, that take it a whole step above what even I thought was, was, you know, a part of the job. So when I came in last year as an assistant video coordinator, uh, being able to learn from Q, who's been, who had done it for for multiple years before that, was was huge in my development. And right. uh, he pushed me to, even though I was an assistant, he pushed me to think and act like a head video coordinator every single day, even though that wasn't my title and that wasn't my role, because it helps you to get a better understanding of how to present things, how to organize things, all of these, how to approach certain situations how to handle situations, all these different things. And, you know, if it wasn't for him and him teaching me that last year, who knows if I would be in the position I'm in now. So I'm super grateful for Q for doing that. Um, And obviously he's, he's moved on to bigger, bigger and better things. And as an assistant now with the Lakers, which is well-deserved, but it just goes back to what you were saying, just being able to be open, be a sponge, absorb all this stuff, man. Like those dudes have so much information, so much knowledge. Like it, it would just be silly for me not to, to take advantage of the opportunity to really work with those guys and really um, be able to learn from them. And again, I mean, shoot, you're even learning from some great players, obviously. And there in Charlotte, I have a young team, but man, so much, so much talent, you know, with Terry Rogier and PJ Washington, Miles Bridges, uh, Devontae Graham, guys like that, you know, how is it working with those guys and just kind of talk to the people, whether it's, younger players, uh, people that think they want to get into the business, uh, into the league, kind of talk about how it is working with those guys on a daily basis and the relationships which you're able to build with those type of guys. Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned it in, in, in kind of your last question, but as a video coordinator, you're you're on the court a lot doing player development stuff, um, more so assisting with workouts. Um, I've been lucky enough over the past couple of years that I've had the opportunity to actually lead workouts in a lot of capacities. Uh, but more times than not, you're just, you're, you're helping out. So like last year, uh, in my first year in Charlotte, I was working with Jeremy Lamb, Kimball Walker, 
uh, Miles Bridges, like these types of guys. So um, just to be around those types of dudes, it, it, it's it's humbling just because they're such great athletes and they're really, really good people too. Um, so it, it's been a humbling opportunity just to, to be able to work with people at that capacity. But you're talking about our young guys now, the Terry's, the Devontae's, Miles, PJ, even like the Martin twins, Jalen, like all of us um, really enjoy working with those young guys. And, and the relationship aspect of it um, is, is transparent at any level, right? Like you have to be able to develop some type of friendship and sometimes not even more of a professional friendship, right? But a relationship uh, between coach and player if you ever really want to um, develop them in full and help them reach their potential. Because at the end of the day, they're only players are only going to really want to listen to you if they feel like you have their best interest in mind right. and if they feel like you really care about them. So before you even step on the court and before you even worry about any type of development stuff basketball-wise, you've got to develop a relationship and you've got to work on that type of development first. Yeah. Um, and our staff does a really, really good job of that. Um, really, really good job of that. And, and it's definitely different. Um, it's, a, it's a huge difference in coaching, I think, college uh, and professional guys. So uh, you definitely see a little bit more the college level tends to be uh, a little bit different style where, you know, a coach is going to have a system that's in place and, and you recruit the players to that system. And then, you know, it's kind of what the coach says goes. And, and there's really good relationships in, co- in, in college. And I'm not saying there's not. Um, but, but at the NBA level, the relationships are a little bit more back and forth. You know, we ask guys what coverages we think that, that would work best, you know, or this. And that, as one film, you know, being really engaging in film with the players and the players engaging back with us and, like, asking questions and making suggestions and recommendations. And, and it's more of a, a team-focused thing at the NBA level. You're, you're really working with the players um, to, to move forward and be successful as opposed to, um, you know, just kind of strictly coaching and, like, teaching and learning, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you, you definitely have to kind of transition the way that you coach uh, at this level. And it's even been different for us this year because we are so young. You know, a lot of the teams, you think of a lot of the successful teams like the Lakers and the Raptors and these teams that have all these veteran guys, you know, the way that the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors coach their guys is different than how we have to do it in Charlotte because we don't have as many veteran guys. Right. So there are still a lot of young guys on our roster that we're still teaching how to play the game. You know, yeah. um, so, so the teaching, the teaching methods are different. Uh, the style is a little bit different. It's obviously a player's league uh, in the NBA. So um, it's a little bit more of a, of a back and forth relationship and coaching style um, as opposed to kind of in college where it's like a lot of the coaching is, is kind of done. And then the players just kind of learn what the coaches are teaching them. And then they just move on. Like, this is how it's going to be right. uh, type of deal. So, uh, I really value that aspect of the NBA as well. Um, the other thing too that I learned very quickly being in the league is, is if you're gonna if you're gonna coach something, if you're gonna teach something, if you're gonna do something um, with guys on the court, you have to have a reason why you're doing it. NBA guys are are high cerebral guys. They're they're high IQ guys. So and they've been around the block, you know, especially the veteran guys. So if you're gonna if you're going to do a certain ball string coverage or, or we're going to make certain adjustments at certain times or even in a player development workout, you're going to do this drill 
you know, you have to know why you're doing it. And guys can, especially at the NBA level, can pick up if you don't know why you're doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, so just make sure that there's purpose uh, and there's reason and there's understanding for doing what you're doing. I think that's one thing that y'all do a great job with just based off of the, the stuff that, you know, you've taught us over this this pandemic time that through Zooms and, and stuff like that, man. So that's just a testament to the professionalism of y'all organization and the fact that, you know, y'all want to get y'all guys better. You know, you want to try to compete for a championship. So. For sure. Yeah, so. we're very focused on player development right now with our youth. So yeah, it's been it's been a really good learning experience over the last couple of years for sure. No, nah, for sure. So, man, I don't want to hold you up for too much longer. But um, what what advice would you give to anybody that wants to break into the league, get that opportunity, and what kind of standard do you all hold your your guys to that you all do bring on board with your organization? Yeah. So, uh. There's no magic formula. Uh, there's no secret recipe to, to to getting anywhere in the coaching world, whether it's college, whether it's professional, whatever it is. You know, a lot of it starts with uh, just working hard, man. I know that sounds super, super basic, but the reality of it is, is so much of it is just being available, uh, being willing to help, being really good in your role, and just working your tail off. Yeah. You know, I, I have a very – I have a very – fundamental belief not even in the coaching world but just in life in general that if you work really really hard and you're a good person like good things tend to happen to you yeah. so that's something that i've always, that's always something i've always lived by uh, in every facet of my life not just in my career but um just be willing to learn be willing to work really really hard um be willing to sacrifice you know it's it's definitely um it's a sacrificial league in the sense that, uh, you know, we're on the road during Christmas time. You don't really get holidays, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, so be willing to make those sacrifices, um, be willing to work really hard and just be willing to learn, you know, keep yeah. your mind open, ask, ask questions, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. We talked about it earlier in the conversation, like don't be afraid to fail, um, and then just keep learning, keep growing. Like a lot of the stuff that you're going to learn and grow from, will be stuff that you see every day at work, but you can really learn and grow even more in your own, right? Like, it's just like we tell players, right? Like, you're going to come to the gym, you're going to practice, you're going to lift, you're going to do all this, right? But what are you doing outside of the gym that's helping you become better, right? right? Are you getting back in for extra shots? Are you doing all these extra things? It's no different in the coaching side of it. Are you watching extra film? Are you picking people's brains? Are you thinking outside of the box about different things that you could be doing, right? Like, just that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's the kind of standard that we hold hold our guys to in the organization, not just players, but also the coaches, everybody on staff, yeah. right? Be a good person, work really hard, um, and always be available and willing to help. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. Because at the end of the day, we're all going towards the same thing. Right. We're all working towards the same goal. We're all, we're all trying to get to the same point. So um, just having a willingness to work together with someone, be a good team player, be a good teammate, Right. Understand um, clearly what your role is and what you have to do to bring value to the organization and then just go out every day and try and do that to the best of your ability. No, for sure, man, for sure. And like you said, it's all about working hard and you got to know that it's going to be it's going to be tough. (laughs) You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of family time, a lot of 
time with your significant other, you know, holidays, whatever the case yep. may be to make, you know, this dream come true. But but it's all worth it in the end. So always worth it, man. Man, I don't want to hold you up, man. I appreciate you taking the time out. You know, you my guy, man. Shoot, from the time we was at South Dow to, to to where you are now, man. I appreciate everything you're doing. Um and excited to continue to follow your success, man, with Charlotte and, and whatever and wherever else you may end up. So I appreciate you, man. Well, I appreciate that, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I uh, appreciate the podcast and the things that you've been doing, man. And congrats again on the new position, man. I know you're going to do really, really well there. And, and they got a good one with hiring you, man. So congrats to yourself as well, man. You've been doing doing well. Nah, for sure, man. Shoot, as long as I hold myself to your standard, hey, I'll be all right. <laughs> I don't know about all that, man. You should probably try and pass me up. <laughs> Oh man, shoot! One one last question. So I'm I'm gonna start yeah. doing this on all my on my episodes. But if you had to say one person you think I should try to get on this show, who would it be? Uh so I, I was thinking about this. Um, I got to give my girl a shout out. Her name's Kira Carter. I don't know if you know Kira. So Kira and uh, Kira and I grew up together uh, in Indiana. Uh, she played college ball. She played professionally. Um, she's been a college assistant uh, for a while now, JUCO levels. I uh, was at Sam Houston State for a little while. has been bouncing around. Yeah. Uh, just got her first head coaching job about two weeks ago at one of the uh, schools she used to coach at, Missouri S&T. Okay. Uh, so I got to give her a shout-out um, on that opportunity. It, it's been a long time coming, and, and she deserves it more than anybody. She's a, a rising young coach. Uh, in this profession and she's going to be really really good for a long time to come Uh, but I think she would be able to give a lot of really good insight in all of her experiences not only from playing professionally uh, and collegiately and coaching but now that she's taken over as a head coach at the college level right like the types of things that she's probably having to think about um, the transition of her mind frame and, and mindset from the assistant position to the head coaching position uh, and she's just an overall really, really good person and someone that I really value um, and is a good friend of mine. So yeah. that would be my recommendation. She would be able to give a lot of really good insight. Um, and then obviously also, uh, you know, being on the women's side of things as well would, would, would be a really cool uh, yeah. conversation. No, for sure, for sure. I actually did see that on social media the other day. I think I may follow her, but so yeah. No, we definitely gonna have to set that up, get that, get that rolling. So, man, I appreciate you again, man. And shoot, man. Until next time, man. We'll we'll be in touch. All right, Ted. Take care, brother. All right, man. Appreciate you. Yep. Thanks again for tapping into Beyond the Hardwood. As always, a quick reminder to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Also. Be sure to follow the Beyond the Hardwood podcast page on IG as we continue to build this platform. And like always, until next time, remember, life goes beyond the hardwood.